Your Roots in Black Spirituality is a podcast series hosted by myself, Aziza Wonder, where I get to interview different Black queers of faith on their personal experiences of holding all the parts of their identity and what it looks like for them to learn to make more space for themselves in a world that tries to make them small. These conversations are honest, vulnerable, funny, and it is my hope that you would not only find yourself in them, but that you would be inspired. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is an episode of Queer Roots, Black Spirituality. And I get to talk to someone very cool um, who is actually an internet friend. (laughs) Um, So that's pretty fun. Oh, also, my name's Aziza. (laughs) And uh, the person I'm talking to is Noella. Um, Would you mind uh, giving a little little introduction of yourself? Hi, so my name's Noella. I am a... Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. So I'm 21. Um, I live in Florida. I'm a journalism student. I don't shut up about that. I don't shut up. <laughs> I don't shut up about also being vegan. So that's something that's part of my personality. Um, I'm really into roller skating, and I'm so excited because this is my first time like connecting with Aziza beyond TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I know, isn't it crazy? Like how the world operates right now that we're just like like able to have like like a genuine connection just via like digital digital age that's just like so crazy to me no I think it's so amazing because honestly I advocate for internet friendships because my best friend I met via twitter slash youtube and then we Mm -hmm. met up in person at vidcon in 2016 so I fully advocate for internet friendships and I'm really happy TikTok exists because it feels like, like, you know, everyone's saying bestie now, but I for real feel like that. Like, hey, bestie, like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I loved your, um, your friends had their wigs and just our roller skating. And I was like, these are cool cool cats I've ever seen them. Like what, what a statement, what a mood, honestly. Thank you. No, I love, uh, I love skating so much. It just like, I just recently wrote like a personal essay about roller skating, how much it means to me. And it kind of just feels like therapy at a point mm-hmm. because I can have like a really shitty day. And then I just go to my local parking garage and start skating, watching the sunset, listening to some good music. It just feels amazing. Yeah. I honestly feel like roller skating feels like a part of queer culture. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if that's I, I definitely think it has a lot of roots in Black and queer culture. So I recommend that anyone that really skates to check out the documentary United Skates on HBO, just because it talks a lot about Black culture and its roots in roller skating, whether it's talking about Black-owned rinks that were being purchased and forced to leave their community or whether it's talking about rinks in general that were forced to leave Black communities and thus like discriminating with music or with the kind of wheels that Black roller skaters usually have. And it's such a good documentary, so I highly recommend it. As far as the queer movement in roller skating, I'm not too familiar, 
But I do remember reading like a few articles that do talk about like the connection. Mm. No, that makes sense, actually. Um, it feels like a lot of um, adopted queer um, queer things have, have like, been rooted in, in Blackness somehow. Which, honestly, just probably just, like, could argue that for the world. <laughs> just anything that's, like, become popular is, like, has come from, like, the depths of some of some blackness um absolutely (laughs) yeah that's what was um what is your spiritual background like okay so this is always fun to talk about I um was born into a black baptist home um southern baptist at that Ooh, Um, delicious I know right (laughs) both parents are religious um I went to a, here's the fun part, private, predominantly white Christian school from oh kindergarten goodness. to eighth grade. No, um, no. <laughs> I know. no, I was there for a long time. You know, they gave me good background in reading and writing and that's yeah. all I'm going to ever think I'm for. Um, there was good food too. My mom didn't like that I racked the bill up there, but you know what? They had their little perks, um, <laughs> not so much the forced religion part, but I mean, I guess it's only forced so much when I go home and also adopt like that religion as well. So definitely was raised Christian, was questioning things starting my senior year of high school, mainly because I think my parents like were like, you have to go to church every day. And I was like, I'm tired. I don't really feel like going to church every single Sunday. I have work. I have homework, blah, blah, blah. Why am I being forced? Like, why can't we do this at home? And so I think all those questions and just like my parents making me go to church as long as I lived in their household kind of was like, well, if Jesus is like, if he's also forgiving, then he'll be fine if I don't go to church today. But yeah. I don't think that was what was um, the thought process. So that's where I started beginning questioning my Christianity. Mm, that makes sense. And and here I am, like, I think that, I think that would be like four or five years later. And I'm not really religious. I feel more, a little more spiritual than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I like, I like using the word universe or from talking about the world. I say she, like, I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to put a man in that power. No, I totally know what you mean. I, yeah, I, I went through, um, the beginning of calling, calling God a woman was like really the, the gateway to, to what my faith is now. So I totally relate to that. Just like, especially if you, if you just, especially just like as women, (laughs) as, as, um, queer women, queer black women, Mm-hmm. <laughs> with like all of the all of just like all of the minority groups that like that like yes literally in one body it's like and i'm supposed to also worship something that like oppresses me in this you know like mm-hmm. in this realm i'm supposed to like continue to carry on that image that just feels so ah it just outdated right? right yeah so traditional yeah, like I just I don't know. I tell a lot of people that they should 
look outside what they've been taught as far as faith and like mm. not in like a you know your way is wrong but just like you know we should question things we should explore that's what we're put here for um right. just like before I forget to say it I think it's really interesting that I um am going through this like questioning my faith as I attend an HBCU for people mm. not listening that's the historically black college university and I mean, they're all in the South. So primarily, if you go on HBCU campuses, most of the attendees um, have a Christian-based faith. And so it's really, like, people look at you funny when (laughs) they say, like, when you mention um, you aren't really Christian or you don't really, you're not really religious, people look at you funny. Or I've gotten very mixed reactions. Um, Mm. I don't talk about it a lot around people just because I just know how my campus is. And also just family. I don't really talk about it a lot because my parents still think I am religious. Mm. That's so interesting because um, I, I've i only ever gone to community college. And I guess it's just been like from my, from my um, Black spaces, it seemed like people have really been um, revolting against Christianity. And so it's interesting to hear you say that at HBCUs, like, um, there, like, that is not the case. You know, that there's this, like, yeah. clinging to. Yeah, I'd say, I, I just, I think I've noticed it because, like, a lot of, like, campaigns during election season at HBCUs, like, a lot of people um, are religious and they mention that in their campaign. Um, there's, like, a lot of... Um, organizations on campus that are revolved around religion and I I think that's really cool for the people that are involved in them I just think it's also really interesting to just see how like I guess it's black colleges universities I mean it's like the norm to be religious so I kind of feel like weird discussion discussing my views with others there Mm. no that makes sense that makes a lot of sense what about um can you tell me a little bit more about your like queer story um also what are your pronouns I like super like yeah, no you're good so my pronouns are she her hers and okay. I feel like um I don't even know how to start so I feel like a part of me possibly repressed it for a minute being bisexual and I just didn't want to think about oh what if I like don't just like men um and fast forward to my partner and I um I've been we've been together for almost five years oh wow black male yeah so um he and I like had a discussion like maybe two to three years I'd say like I'd say yeah two to three years into our relationship and uh, we were in long distance at the time because he went to my current school and I stayed in town and went to community college for two years. So somewhere in between our two to three year mark, I was like, hey, I think I have to tell you something, but I'm worried you might be mad at me. And I was worried um, just because I, that's like a big thing to tell your partner, especially when they're not the same gender or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm bisexual. And obviously, it went over very easily. 
Yeah, I told them it went over well. And um, it wasn't that like, I wasn't worried about it anymore. I was kind of worried about publicly stating it then. I think I told a close group of my friends, I was like, hey, I'm pretty sure I'm bisexual. And it's funny because I actually just heard a story about it. Um, and I think that I came to that conclusion after, um, like learning that I wasn't the biggest fan of penetration. <laughs> like, it's very you know what? funny That'll that, tell you. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that funny? Like, it is. so I, um, like I told my boyfriend, I was like, Hey, I think this revel- like this revelation is a sign of something. <laughs> yeah. And like we keep having conversations about it. He always jokes about like me like gonna leave him for a woman in a big city with our plants and cats. I'm like, you have such an imaginative relation, like not relationship, <laughs> an imaginative, like I guess imagination, whatever. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, listen, as long as we can joke about stuff like that and it doesn't feel like, I don't feel any red flags when discussing it with him. Um, mm. My friends were very open. I work at Trader Joe's and, like, uh, at least half of the store is gay. So, <laughs> work at environment. Least. <laughs> at least half. <laughs> I wish I was joking at that statement, but at least half. Um, no, yeah, it's like, that's the quota. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't know, I guess... I came to terms with it after just thinking and I was just in a long distance relationship and I was just like, I was having a lot of revelations and thoughts to myself just because when all your friends like leave your, um, while you're in school and you're kind of the only one there and you go to the community college. So I don't know if you had the same feeling whenever like you graduated high school and people went off to universities and stuff and you kind of just mm-hmm. stayed, I'm assuming you stayed back and stayed home. Yeah. Um, that's what I did. And I was like, damn, all my friends left. Like I, I gotta like start doing things by myself, which led to me going vegan, which led to me doing pole dancing. Um, I just started like learning more about myself and that was one of the revelations. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry if I said that out of order. I do that when I tell stories. No, I same. That's totally okay. I totally followed. Yeah. I, it's very interesting. I, that's like, that's usually how it goes. I feel like with self-discovery, you're not necessarily looking for anything particular. You're just like opening up this box and all this stuff is coming out and it's like, Oh, this is, this is uh, I guess that's in there too. <laughs> yeah. Literally it was like a present. It's like, I, I opened Pandora's box, honestly. Yeah. Okay. So was that, how does that align with where you were with, with your religion at the time? Were you like, like what part of you, like what part of the deconstruction process were you at with your faith when you um, like came to terms with your sexuality? So this feels so long ago. So I wish I could remember more details, but yeah. I, like I said, college, community college was definitely where I just started like thinking about religion and what my faith is and wasn't going to church. And so I was definitely in the middle of like, do I believe in a higher power do I want to still have this like bible in my house like do I like yeah. do I want to like pray or uh, I don't know I felt like I was very confused at the time and I was researching other things I was talking to friends that believed in Buddhism 
or we're just agnostic in general, just reading a lot of different like articles on um, how college students are actually very, it's very common to start like thinking about your faith and like what you believe in and questioning things. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like, oh my gosh, like what's wrong with me? All these things are happening. I am questioning my religion. This is something I've grown up with. And then I like realized like a lot of college students also feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, resonate with that is very much the, the college story. It feels like I remember in being in youth group, because I also have a very similar story of growing up in church that way. And I remember being in youth group and they would always like get really focused on the high school seniors and just be like, mm-hmm. you know, when you get to, when you get to college, like they're oh, going to try to take your faith away from you. And, and most of you won't believe in like, won't like come I back to church right. anymore. And, they're really all reading from the same book, like giving us the same script. I think they are like high key or onto something because <laughs> it's because they like, you know, I think it's also because high school, like senior year is also synonymous with like virginity, the comp- like the virginity, losing a prom, homecoming, whatever. And yeah. they're all very close. And then, you know, like drinking a lot when you go to college, like you said, like you're going to lose in touch with Scott. And so, I don't know, there's just a lot and you're onto something with that. Cause I, I forgot how drill they are with seniors. Like, honestly, I kind of felt bad cause I was questioning my religion at the time, but at my old church, I, um, did like this scholarship about like what God means to me, like what Christianity means to me. And I felt mm-hmm. weird writing it. Cause I was like, do I even believe like my own words and what I'm writing right now? And that was mm. my senior of high school. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's such a strange, strange relationship with the church. Um, how, so how did you, um, so when you were talking about like, so there's this conflict, right? Like with queerness and with religion, um, how did you quiet the conflict enough to like actually begin to pursue um, like identifying yourself as a queer person? Like what did it look like for, um, for you to get the, like the, the rest that you needed? to feel safe enough to like start walking in that direction? I love this question. So I think that I definitely, I wasn't going to a church at the time, so it didn't feel like I had to. Oh, this reminds me, I felt like I had to dress a certain way, which I hated wearing dresses at the time. Like I barely wear dresses now. They have to be like form-fitting, good, like Mm -hmm. really nice dresses for me to enjoy them. And I hated dressing up um, in skirts or dresses every time I went to church. So I did want to dress a little more androgynous or just at least like pants. And I think going to church loosened that up a lot. I mean, not going to church, sorry. Um, So not going to church helped me not have to feel like I had to wear dresses very consistently. Um, Did not enjoy them at all, especially because, you know, they had to be something that's not quote unquote revealing or, Mm. you know, what the church's standard is. So it felt really nice to just dress how I'm comfortable dressing which turned into a lot of like oversized tops like sweaters or something and like baggy jeans like mom jeans boyfriend jeans were my thing at the time um 
I also just like, I was comfortable with talking to my friends about my um, sexuality and I moved out at the time as well. Um, so it was nice that I felt like I could just like, I wouldn't have to be hush hush about anything in my house because mm. I lived with a friend after. And, yeah. um, you know, cause I, I mean, my parents still to this day don't know. I don't, I don't think honestly, any of my family knows that I'm bi and I do have like a privilege of pres- like presenting, I guess, like straight, because, I don't know what the term is just because I have like a straight male boyfriend. Yeah. So I like I don't have the like if anything happens it would definitely be me being like outing myself via social media and my like boy not my boyfriend my brother like see that and be like question mark <laughs> like hmm? and yeah I don't know I just heard a lot of things from my fan I'm I feel like I'm getting off the point of the question but I know you're totally happen. fine. <laughs> So um, I just remember, keep remembering things. There's been two instances with my family, I guess like three um, total that like make me be like, I'm not coming out to you guys. This is never going to happen. My sister um, and my brother-in-law, her husband, and just like a lot of our family what were at my like grandmother's repast. And it was the same time during Pride. And I wanted to go to Boston Pride um, like a day after her funeral or whatever. That sounds shitty. I don't mean it in a shitty way. I was just also happened to be in Boston at the time. And I was like, oh, pride's going on. Like, I wish I could go. Like, blah, 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 right. blah. And my sister made some comment, like, saying something about, like, oh, I don't want my kids around that. Or my brother-in-law said something, too, about, like, bisexual people can't choose. And I was like, we yeah like flags like i'm not gonna talk i'm not gonna take a walk y'all i'll I'll be right right yeah i just because if you speak up then it's like why are you the why are you ally like why are you speaking up because that actually happened with my brother um i was also talking about pride with him and i was like oh i want to go to pride and he said like oh why do you like why do you care so much about pride? And I was like, um, <laughs> uh, how do I answer this? How do I answer yeah. this? How do I answer this? So yeah, in the situation yeah. with my sister and brother-in-law, I was like, man, like I, cause my, they don't go to church often, but they're still in the church and involved, like they're kind of involved to the side. Yeah. And, um, I, I just, I don't think I would feel comfortable just talking about gay issues to them because I would either become the the like gay ambassador and be talking for everyone, which I would never want to, and yeah. or I would be feeling like I'm like being like attacked or questioned. I don't I don't want to be interrogated about my sexuality because I feel like it's something that I still have yet to figure out completely just because I'm still in a relationship with my male partner. And right. so does that make sense? So yeah. yeah. Questions like Questions that. Like that. <laughs> um, like she's just, she's a therapist. So she's definitely come across patients that are on this, on the LGBT um, spectrum. Is that the correct word? And the spectrum's used for like autistic purposes as well. But I've also heard someone use it for, 
the community. I'm not sure. Mm. That makes sense. Like sexuality being on a spectrum. though. Yeah. But my mom, she's like just said sly sly stuff sometimes before towards me. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to ever come out to you. (laughs) Yeah. No, I totally. Yeah. It's just like the thing about um, having like a homophobic family is, yeah, there's definitely this this very real possibility that when you come out um, and the most likely possibility that you are going to get grilled and especially like having a, um, a male partner it's, it's, um, and like, it's like this, like regardless, but like, I feel like there's this sense of, okay, prove yourself, (laughs) you know, like why now you're like having to justify your own identity and identity is not meant to be justified and it's just so like it's just so overwhelming and um yeah yeah especially to have moments like that where they're like saying like offhanded offhanded comments it's like uh (laughs) you are not Uh, gonna take this well (laughs) yeah like oh i have a surprise for you yeah it's like that tiktok audio like bestie I'm afraid to tell you this. Good <laughs> <laughs> for you. Like, I think I'm the gay auntie. <laughs> like, um, you might want to sit down. <laughs> and like I said, like, oh my gosh, like when you nail that on the head, like if I did happen to come out to my family, it'd be like, oh, you're dating a man. You guys have been dating for four years. And then I'd be like, Okay, so now I have to sit down and tell you that right. bi people are not a monolith. <laughs> right. So now, now we have to break the discussion up more for things that we have the same Google for to research. Right. We have the same Google. <laughs> Literally. That's what I tell people when they're like, educate me on this. I'm like, okay, so if you go on this website called Google, um, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, it's been around for some time. So, uh, really? <laughs> okay, tell me about um, queer tribe. Okay, do you feel like you have one right now? Um, as in, like a good like amount of people surrounding me that are also queer. Yeah, just like a good queer network of of support. Absolutely. I am a part. Okay. So as far as like the journalism side of my life, I'm a part of the National Lesbian and Gay Journalists Association, mm-hmm. um, NLGJA. And it is such a like open and appreciative network. Um, I've heard that they do have like a black problem. Like they've had problem with diversity in the past, which is actually ironic because the other journalism association I'm a part of has like an, they had a very recent LGBTQ problem. So um, I kind wow. of see, I know, right? Combination. So have to, <laughs> I have to find like the black and clear like media folks. And I actually just attended two panels on the same day on Thursday about like being black and clear in media. And it was very heartwarming to see like others like myself. Mm-hmm. And so I know as far as like my future, I've definitely met a lot of like black and clear journalists and writers and stuff, which is really heartwarming because you know, it's really hard being um, black, being in journalism and, you know, in media and general professions, whatever. 
And then you are a woman. <laughs> and then there's a whole lot of other things as a black uh, woman. Just and you building. just want to add a queer. <laughs> like, just am I making this hard for myself? Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. And then as far as like friends, um, I feel like a lot of my friends are on the like queer spectrum. And like I mentioned earlier, Trader Joe's, like there is a solid amount of us. And due to the pandemic, I see my Trader Joe's like coworkers the most. Mm. So it's really nice, like not, you know, not having a shitty work environment. Like I will say that's one thing I'm really thankful for. Um that I can enjoy working. <laughs> right. Because of them. And like it's very open and heartwarming. Mm. and have like friends like that yeah oh I was gonna say I think the only thing that I like wish I was more of is there's like an LGBTQ club at my school um I don't I'm not really a part of it just because like I don't really have time for another club but I I'm in their like group chat and I wish they had more recognition on campus there mm-hmm. I think it's definitely because you know black community has a very big like problem with internalized homophobia but um, I'm trying to like sit down and focus more on LGBTQ and black culture in my writing because as a journalist it's something I definitely want to cover because I want to cover all forms of like my identity in my writing uh, and yeah. so I'm trying to figure out like how to like get more involved currently with my um I think it's called I'm pretty sure it's called Spectrum the club we have on campus Mm. yeah that's that's really beautiful that um you're making that a focus of your of your creations just like the the like meeting of all of your identities um and I yeah I really respect that yeah thank you for sharing all of all of all of your story. It feels really nice to talk about all of this because um, I think I only have once with this like study that this graduate student was doing. But besides mm-hmm. that, I don't really talk about it that much because I don't feel like I have like a huge coming out story. Um, mm. Again, mainly because I figured it out mid like straight relationship. But yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I it's really cool because these are still stories that people have. And it's nice that, um, it's nice that, that, that it gets shared because I think people can still relate to it. You know? Yes. I actually, that reminds me to send you this book. Um, this, this, um, journalist who just left the New York times, he's really cool. I was, he was in one of the panels I was watching on Wednesday and he just wrote a book um, about queer and love. And it's all, I believe it's queer and color in love. So it's oh. all older. I believe it's all older, but it could be just queer couples in general. And all mm. like people of color. He wrote a whole book. Um, I feel like it's the same energy as like Humans of New York. I think it's like a photo kind of essay book. But oh, I'm really that. excited. I got to pre-order it. Yeah, I'll send you the link to it. Yes, please do. I want to ask you, okay, one last question. Um, If you could give um, any piece of advice to any baby queer, what would it be? You don't have to explain yourself. I think that's an advice I would have given myself because 
um, while I was just thinking about all the emotions and all the self-expression and everything I had to do to kind of prove myself to others, I didn't need to because I don't have to explain myself to anyone at the end of the day. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like um, one of advice that my friend who's also bisexual gave me that helped me out a lot was that he doesn't feel the need to come out to people because technically the only people that are in your business as far as sexuality, the ones that you're sleeping with, the ones that you're, um, that's like your partner. So when he told me that, and I like paraphrase that absolutely, but I was like, you know what? I really don't have to tell, uh, like, I don't have to prove this to others. I don't have to come out to my parents. I don't have to feel the need to like share this with people that I don't want to share it with. Mm. Yeah, that is, that is liberating. It is. Absolutely. Because sometimes it feels like that there's this like queer list that you have to like check off. Um, and that's the only way that you can like be settled in your identity. Yes. But that's, yeah, that's not the case at all. Your information and is yours. You. Yeah. And I think that if there's anything else I would definitely share um, before I forget and this call ends, I absolutely suggest like reading stuff by queer writers and mm-hmm. um like POC writers, specifically queer POC writers. There's this cool book I'm really excited to read. It's, um, I forgot the name of the writer, but she's writing a book about two queer, um, I believe they're both black, if not POC girls that are attending a music festival in the Midwest. I wish I could remember the name of it. I want to say Leah Turner or Leah something is the author. She just wrote Mm -hmm. a book about, oh, the book um, that she just wrote is You Should See Me in a Crown. So it's the okay. same author, but I'm just really excited for such a specific, like, representative book because that's yeah, something so like so niche. I really, I really like it. So yeah, I'm excited to read it when it comes out this summer. Oh my goodness, we get book recommendations too. Oh ah. my gosh! Yes. <laughs> thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, it was so good talking to you, Noella. Um, yes, I honored to have heard your story. So thank you. Thank you. Yes, and thank you for letting me share it. Absolutely. Um, and so to anyone listening, thank you. Um, I hope that you were able to resonate in some pieces of, of Noella's story. And I hope <laughs> that your day is is full and warm. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to an episode of Queer Roots and Black Spirituality. It has been a pleasure to have you here listening in, sharing in this space with us. Be gay, be well. Until next time. This podcast was made possible in part by a grant from the Southern Equality Fund. Special thanks to all of those who shared their stories with us and the team who made this podcast possible, including Aziza Wonder, Troy Aragon Buchanan, Allison Corin, Michael Yerrick, Ty Sullivan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III.